Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Leadership File on Premier. Welcome to the Leadership File, your weekly show inspiring you to lead for Christ wherever you are. I'm Andy Peck, your host, thanking you for joining us. And whether you're listening live or one of the many thousands who listen via the podcast, it's great to have you along. If you're new to the show, a reminder that the show is available on demand via premierradio.com or via iTunes or Podbean. And my aim with the shows is to provide knowledge, skills and attitudes for a Christian to lead so that God's work is advanced. So do continue to join us and God helping us, we will flourish in his ways. Well, I welcome this week uh, Paul Coulter, based in Northern Ireland. Paul is the head of ministry operations for Living Leadership, a charity we've featured a few times on this show, which works throughout the UK. Living Leadership aims to grow disciple-making leaders through training, support and resources. And Paul is an experienced trainer of leaders, pastors and apologists. So welcome, Paul, to Leadership File. Hi, Andy. Thanks. It's great to be with you. Uh, I should have asked uh, how you pronounce your surname. Is it Coulter or Coulter? That's that's certainly how we pronounce it, although I'm, I'm conscious historic materials is on TV these days. They seem to pronounce it differently. You know, the, the nasty character, Philip Pullman's nasty character is Mrs. Coulter. Oh, well, there we go. Sorry sorry about that. Okay. But, yeah. No, 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 that's okay. We, we say Coulter. So. Coulter, good stuff. Okay. So your, your, your route to this particular role, role Paul? Yes, yeah. So, I mean, uh, it's kind of when you reflect on your journey into a role, I sometimes find Søren Kierkegaard, um, he, he said that life can only be understood backwards, yeah. but it must be lived forwards. Yes. Um, and I kind of think, you know, it's easier sometimes looking back to see how the Lord has had his hand on your life to, to guide you into a situation. I, I know that some people might look at my journey into the role and think it looks a bit circuitous or unusual, but um, I really do believe that the Lord has kind of been preparing me through different experiences. So started out life in a Christian home, came to faith as a child, grew up, uh, my faith grew with me through teenage years, and then I moved into studying medicine, thinking about overseas mission work. So always had a strong sense of calling to um, ministry. But was thinking about that in terms of, of using medicine. But as I got studying in medicine and, and was graduating from that, I uh, got involved through uh, a, a group of Chinese students with the Chinese church in Belfast um, and really uh, got increasingly involved in the church, met a young lady who eventually became my wife. Um, and uh, so through her, really committed into that church came into eldership and discovered really an increasing calling and burden from the Lord to be a pastor, to be teaching and, and developing folks in discipleship and ministry. And that was just a, you know, a very strong thing that even in that time in pastoral ministry, that my 
my passion was to see others developed in their mind, in their heart, in their love for the Lord. Uh, so spent a couple of years then after that with a Glen Abbey church, a large church just outside Belfast, was directing their youth and equipping ministry. So I moved out of medicine completely, studied theology part time while I was working for those two churches um, and then was given the opportunity to pursue a PhD in theology and, and, and did that looking at church and mission in Northern Ireland, contemporary Northern Ireland, uh, and then got involved in teaching in Belfast Bible College. So uh, for the last six years until April this year, I was doing that full time. And then on, on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day, <laughs> stepped into a new role with living leadership. But, um, uh, you know, I, I realize I've kind of left two careers, medicine and academia, that in the world's eyes look very wise and sensible to do something that in, in human terms looks a, a little bit foolish. So it's maybe no, uh, you know, it's no bad thing that it was the 1st of April, but um uh, there is that principle of being a fool for Christ, that the Lord's wisdom is greater than our wisdom sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I can see how pastoral experience, medical experience, and this commitment to developing others really fits beautifully with the ethos of living leadership. Um, and I have an opportunity now to be close to the church, which has always been on my heart, to be close to people. And to be really centered in the gospel and in the word of God as we seek to, to serve the church by serving its leaders. Um, so I think that's a, you know, none of those experiences are wasted. The Lord has kind of brought those together in my life to a point where I, I feel this is a, a brilliant fit for my heart and my gifting. Fabulous. Um, and it just so happens I, I visited Glen Abbey Church. Uh, Gilbert Lennox, is that the he was serving Yes, there? yeah, yeah. Gilbert, um, has, he's now retired, but still very mm. much part of the teaching team there. And Gilbert's a really good good friend um, and has been a, a great sort of influence on, on my life over a lot of years, yeah. I was working for the magazine at Premier here and um, went over to the Mandate and um, and then visited the church on a, on a Sunday at the... It was a kind of in a warehouse sort of environment, I think, at the time. Or yes, it still it still is. It's yeah. probably a slightly nicer warehouse than okay. it was back then. They sure. kind of uh, built on a new part, which had bigger okay. capacity, but mm. uh, but still has very much that feeling. Yeah. Oh, so. good stuff. So the, the focus of uh, uh, you're new to, new to the role with living leadership, but having been working with churches across Northern Ireland, what, what's your sense of the kind of major pastoral challenges that are being? faced in 2019 is 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 it too soon to be asking that kind of question <laughs> well no i mean you know thanks for giving me an easy one andy it's kind of <laughs> no way <laughs> it, it really oughtn't to be i mean i shouldn't have taken this rule if i if i wasn't kind of listening and trying to mm, to learn mm. what those needs are but i mean it's an interesting time to be asking particularly for someone who's based in in northern ireland because yeah I think in the last couple of weeks we've seen pretty major changes in our in our law that have profound implications for our culture. Um, you know, so the law has changed on both marriage and abortion, and I've been very involved in both of those issues and and you know trying to to educate and equip Christians around those those areas. But um, I, I think when you're faced with something like that, and it, I mean, those are obviously things that. England has been adapting to for, for longer than we have, but we're all in that same kind of situation of, of maybe noticing changes in culture that are moving away from, from biblical principles. 
And I think it's easy for us to look at that and think that's the greatest need. Uh, and I really do think, I think churches and, and pastors need a lot of help with that. They're going to need um, specialists, people who can delve deeply into those kinds of issues and give them really good help and advice. So so it is really important that we have a biblically faithful response to those changes in culture. But I find First Peter really helpful as I, as I kind of look even at, at how we engage as Christians in our culture. I think it's just full of of amazing divine wisdom for us. But Peter says this right at the kind of beginning of the section where he talks about that engagement with culture. He says in chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable. Uh, and, and that has really struck me that that when Peter begins, he, he does go on to say a lot of really important things about how we speak into culture, how we serve God in the world, how we demonstrate a, a different vision of what it is to be human and family and of all of those things. But he starts off by saying that what I think is he's telling us or the spirit through him is telling us is the biggest challenge for us is actually what's going on inside us. It's the, the flesh and its, its desires and its passions. And I think for leaders at the heart of it, that's always going to be the greatest challenge. Um, so, you know, we can easily think the challenges are out there, whether that's out there in the world or out there in our relationships in the church. But actually the greatest need that we have is, is to, to watch out for, for the devil as as Peter says later on, he's prowling around looking for someone to, to devour. And uh, it, it's those areas of temptation. So that the danger is that we slip into selfish ambition and competitiveness and these things that are unworthy of the gospel. And of course, underlying all of that is a kind of question of confidence in scripture and in the gospel, um, which I think, again, when our culture is 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 assailing us in such strong ways with a different message then because you've got this combination of the desires that are in us and then the culture which is affirming some of those desires and and dismissing what scripture says about them our great need is to depend on the grace of god it's to stay close to to christ it's to be faithful to him and i think that's what we're about in living leadership we want to create a, a leadership culture that is about modeling and teaching grace. It's about mutual encouragement. It's about being honest about the, the struggles of the flesh uh, and about challenging some of the other things that creep in, that selfish ambition, that competitiveness, which I think are too often big parts of, of leadership. Yeah, sure. Um, the focus of living leadership, Paul, is is growing disciple-making leaders. And I think many, many listening yeah. would, would be aware that many leaders don't particularly focused on making disciples. So what, what would be the kind of characteristics of a, a disciple-making leader and how how might, how long might it take to make one? I mean, how, you know, I suppose it depends a little on their own background. But what, what, what's your kind sure. of, what's your feeling about these kind of issues? Yeah, I suppose, I mean, you know, I'll say this, we as an organisation use that tagline, growing disciple-making mm. leaders, but you know, disciple making, it's one of those bits of Christian jargon in, in, a, in a way. Sure. You know, it, 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 uh, so we can all say amen that we think we should be doing it, but we might 
have very different understandings of what that actually looks like. So for me, I, I, I like to go back to the Lord's words to the, the disciples in Matthew 28. Um, and, and I think when you read that, verses 18 to 20, what we call the Great Commission, which is this commission to make disciples, there are there are four things that are there. There are two assurances that he gives, which surround two verbs, two actions that they need to do. So the middle bit, the actions, you make disciples by baptizing and teaching. Um, uh, and so baptizing, obviously, at one level, that's going to involve water, uh, big amounts, small amounts, depending on our, our churchmanship. But of course, it's symbolic of a whole lot more than that. It's the transformative life change that the Spirit brings. It's the cleansing from sin, the regeneration and renewal of the Spirit. Uh, and it's also then inclusion in the community of the Spirit in the church. So we're baptized into the kind of relationship that's there in the Trinity, in the, in the triune Godhead. Um, so discipleship happens as we grow in relationship with God, in community with others. And then the other verb, the other action is teaching. And again, you know, I'm a great believer in, in solid biblical teaching, but it's not just about good communication. So Jesus doesn't say, teach them the things that I commanded you. He says, teach them to obey the things that I commanded you. And you can't teach someone to obey that without, through words alone, it's got to also have um, actions. It's got to be modelled. So in other words, we're meant to, to, yes, teach them the truths, but also show them what it looks like to live that way. Yeah. Uh, and so we as leaders need to be part of those communities, those relationships. I think one of the temptations and dangers of leadership is that you become uh, aloof, kind of divorced from relationship. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're serving the community, but you don't feel fully part of it. But actually... It's through modeling. It's by letting people see in our lives what it looks like to be a growing disciple, that we make disciples of others. Mm -hmm. So we preach and teach, but we also model. Mm -hmm. But surrounding that, Jesus has two assurances. So he says to them um, that all authority is his. And that's really important because our role is to lead people to follow Christ. It's not making disciples of us. It's making disciples of Christ. Um, and the authority is his in that process. So it's, you know, what people need is to see what it looks like for them to live under his lordship. Yeah. Um, I think leadership sometimes gets confused because we we kind of put people under our lordship in a way. We, we think it's our job to command and control. Um, but actually what we're called to do is to set people free to follow Christ uh, and then the, the other assurance at the end is that he is with us, which of course points to the coming of the Spirit. So in other words, what we do as leaders is make space in people's lives for the Spirit to do His work. Um, it, it's not, and, and that's really reassuring because it's not about me and my successfulness or my capacity or ability, but it's about the power of the Word and the Spirit in a person's life. So I think disciple-making is about baptizing into the, the, the community of the Trinity, into relationship, and it's about teaching through words and example and it's about doing all of this under the authority of christ and and by the power of the spirit 
Um, and that really is the heart of ministry. That's got to be. So how long does it take to, to make a disciple making leader? I guess it's a lifelong journey because it's not something you get once. Yeah. And then you, you, you don't need to keep on learning and refreshing. I think there are so many, we, we settle into patterns that sometimes displace that or, or distract from it. Hmm. And in the same way that discipleship is a lifelong journey, so is growth as a disciple-making leader. So you don't kind of do your three years of training and then you're fully formed. It's, it's an ongoing lifelong journey. And I think that needs support and encouragement. Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Paul Coulter. Paul is the Head of Ministry Operations for Living Leadership. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back uh, to the Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Paul Coulter, based in Northern Ireland. Paul is the Head of Ministry Operations for Living Leadership, a charity we've featured a few times on the show, uh, particularly Marcus Honeyset, the founder, uh, has been a, a guest in the past. We're talking with Paul about some of the fo- themes that, uh, that surround a particular charity. He's, uh, he's fairly new to the, the role himself uh, and about the, the uh, importance of being disciple making leaders and what disciple making leaders might be uh, Paul we I hinted in, in the uh, in my last question that um, that obviously uh, some church leaders perhaps you're not focus upon disciple making particularly mm-hmm. and I just wonder if what your sense is that is this because it's it's hard to do um, because they have other com- competing demands that crowd in mm-hmm. or perhaps they haven't grasped that disciple making is is anything is really doing more than running efficient church services. How, how, how do you take the, the issue and, and why why it needs to be a focus for a charity like Living Leadership? Well, I suppose, you know, I'd probably um, it, it would be easy for, for me or for us to be kind of sending out a message that sounds like a judgment on, yeah, sure. on what pastors are doing. And, and, and I think that's the last thing that mm. they need, you know, because often they're they're working really hard and, and, and giving a lot of themselves mm. in and not well fed and not well encouraged. But at the same time, I think, you know, if if our goal is to be faithful to the Lord, if it's to prioritize what he prioritizes, then then I think this has to be something that we take seriously. We've got to review how we're using our time. We've got to ask whether our weekly schedule looks uh, like it should. Um, and And I think there is there is a confusion sometimes about what Christian leadership is. Um, even the very word leadership again, it can be it can be confusing because I think we tend to automatically associate it with decision making, with planning of programs, with um, making sure things are working efficiently and smoothly. And those things are really important in the church. If we're going to do stuff, we have to do it as best we can, and and it, it's part of our stewardship to make sure that that's done well. But I think the danger of that, it's its really been there since the beginning of the church in Act 6, the 12 appointed the 7 to, to serve, to make sure things ran smoothly and well and effectively so that they could focus on prayer and the ministry of the Word. Uh, so, Paul, um, apart from your own tools, are there books and resources that have assisted you in your work? Yeah, I mean, there have been quite a number, I think. There are a lot of really good resources out there. I think I'm contractually obliged to mention Marcus Honeyset's book, um, my co-worker, Fruitful Leaders, but not just um, because it's written by him, but I think it is a really good core resource. Um, But some others, Growing Leaders by James Lawrence, I find incredibly helpful in training other leaders. Um, And then Ajith Fernando, 
um, has a book called Jesus Driven Ministry, which I think is really good in taking us back to the example of Jesus in terms of how we serve God. Uh, and then anything really by Eugene Peterson, uh, Henri Now, and I think those are challenging, refreshing books as well. So Peterson's The Contemplative Pastor, Henri Nouwen's book In the Name of Jesus, I think is really takes us again back to the heart of of what it is to to lead out of relationship with God and out of character before him. Yeah, good stuff. And um you you um I mean living leadership obviously do you do all sorts of things. People can go to the website and see some of the day courses and the the ongoing training that you do. But you also have a refreshing a refreshment week that comes up in February next year. Yes, yeah. So we've pastoral refreshment conferences. Those have been going for quite a number of years in the Midlands in Hothorpe Hall in Leicestershire. Um, but we also have one now in partnership with Keswick Ministries up in the Lake District. Uh, and we're pioneering for the first time next February. Um, a pastoral refreshment conference in Ireland in uh, the beautiful County Down countryside. Um, so you have to be able to pronounce it that way to come along, though, County Down. So, County Down? Uh, okay. I'm not sure I did it. <laughs> <laughs> no, all of those are open to people from all over the country, but obviously it's often helpful to get together with people from your own region as well. But um, those conferences have, have really become a firm favourite with the people who come regularly. Uh, they're, they're great places of refreshment. I used to go when I was in church ministry, um, and that was how I came to know about living leadership. And so I can say from experience that just taking the time, ideally with your spouse, if you're married and if you're both able to come, then to, to, to refresh to draw apart, to praise God, to be prayed with if you need that, um, to to be together with others and, and to let the guard down a little bit um, so that the Lord can refresh our hearts. That's what they're about. And I think people who've been would say that's what they do. Um, so certainly would encourage people to check that out um, for February 2020. Fabulous. And, um, and and if people want to get in touch with you, I guess we're talking particularly for people from, you know, from the from Northern Ireland. Um, but you have a kind of itinerant ministry. You do things alongside yes. living leadership. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I, I have responsibility for the, the ministries across the UK. So really anyone from the across the country, but um, yeah, Northern Ireland or anywhere else. So they can do that really through the website, livingleadership.org. They can message us that way or they can get us on social media at Living Leaders. Um, but if they drop an email, I'll get back to them certainly and continue the conversation. Sure. And and one of the plans is that you you have ongoing ministry in a church. So you're not, you, you know, obviously you can do the one-offs, but you've, sure. you know, uh, living leadership as a ministry, um, does, does ongoing weekly kind of courses with, with folk or monthly or whatever, you know, on a regular basis? Yes, we have. We've regular courses down in, in Southampton in partnership with Above Bar Church. Uh, we're doing some over here in Northern Ireland as well now, but we're really always on the lookout for new partnerships. So, you know, we try to tailor that as much as possible to the needs in each church. Um, and you're right. I mean, we're not... I can honestly say our goal is that churches would thrive because their leaders are thriving and we're helping them to develop leaders. Um, so it's very much about serving the church and the needs that it has. And we've lots of plans in place to develop that. So part of that is done by our staff, um, but a large part of it is done by associates. 
people who are experienced trainers and pastors of pastors who we can encourage and support. Um, so we're always on the lookout for people who who have that calling and that gifting uh, and who might partner with us to, to, to serve the church. Fabulous, Paul. Well, thank you so much. It's been lovely to, to chat with you and to, to discover that connection with Glen Abbey from the past. So, uh, yeah. Um, so small world. it is a small world indeed. Yeah. So that's this is um, we've been talking to Paul Coulter, the uh, head of ministry operations for Living Leadership. Um, the website again, Paul, is livingleadership.org. Livingleadership.org. Yeah. Dot org. Fantastic. So you can um, uh, obviously listen back to the Living Leadership conversation I've had with um, with Paul on um, uh, going to premierradio.com. Uh, there's archive there. You can also sign up via iTunes and uh, get the uh, leadership file regularly to your uh, listening device, whatever that may be. Uh, and you can join us, of course, uh, next uh, Sunday at 3.30 uh, for another uh, leadership file. So thanks for joining us this week. May God bless you as you seek to lead. You've been listening to The Leadership File on Premier. Andy Peck serves as a tutor at CWR, a Christian charity whose courses and publications aim to apply God's work to everyday life. Contact him via email apec at cwr.org.uk.